Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canem Rins podcast. This is volume 12, issue 575, and today we will be talking about Life is Strange 2. Joining me, Leah Haydu, in issue 575 are Tony Atkins. Hello. Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. And John Salmon. Hello. Hello to all of you. Uh, so Life is Strange 2 is a pretty, uh, big sprawling thing because it takes place over five separate episodes and, uh, it's, you know, it, it's got a lot going in those episodes from time to time. So, um, just to go briefly over what Life is Strange 2 is, it is a choice centric episodic adventure game that follows a pair of brothers, Sean and Daniel Diaz, after a catastrophic accident that forces them into becoming fugitives on the run to Mexico, where they hope they can start a new life in peace. Now, you may remember, those of you who have been with us for some time, that all the way back in issue 277, which seems like a very long time ago to me, that's many numbers in between there and here, um, we covered Life is Strange 1. And I think, <laughs> I, I would have to confirm this, I think that that was my first hosting gig for Kingdom uh, Rinse. Thank you. <laughs> you uh, nailed Tony, it. Tony was there. Mm. Uh, oh, I checked it's, into it's quite this. a legendary show, that one, in fact. Yeah, it was this yeah. one that Josh famously hated and got Josh really upset did, about. Yes, it was, it was uh, I, I checked into it. So it was me and Tony, and then it was uh, Josh and Jay Taylor. Our yeah. own Jay was actually on that show. Um, but we, we actually do have our first piece of correspondence uh, regarding, with a, a little <laughs> bit of a reference to our original recording. Uh, this is from Jack the Blue Mage from the forum, who says, Life is Strange 2 taps into some very real anxieties over political and social radicalism. And it's going to be an interesting story to revisit both now, a few years after the release of the first episode, and in the future. I just wish the gameplay was also compelling enough to make it worth the trip. While there is some solid Choices Matter implementation here, leading to four substantially different endings, I never found the gameplay built around Daniel's powers to be particularly interesting. Plus, the tone of the story borders on misery porn, so it's a big ask to go through that again. I'm looking forward to Leah's thoughts on the game, and I'm guessing Josh won't be on board for this one, considering how much he despised the first Life is Strange. Okay, so... um. This was developed by Don't Nod Entertainment, who also did the first Life is Strange. They did uh, Tell Me Why more recently and uh, Life is Strange True Colors as well. So, And uh, Vampire is the other big one that I have played of theirs. Uh, published by Square Enix. So one of their um, more... I was going to say they're they're more uh, successful endeavors. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but it's probably one of their better uh, non... Final Fantasy endeavors in the recent past. It's no, had some, uh, it's no Quiet Man, but other than it's, that, I well, think it's pretty the, good. so few things are. <laughs> tune back in for the Quiet Man issue six hundred. <laughs> I, I, that's not true. Do not hold me to that. Um, but uh, yeah, one of one of their uh, kind of, I, I wouldn't call this a small game necessarily, but it's a little bit less um, dominant AAA numbers than than maybe some of the other games that uh that we've seen in the i era. think it's kind of weird because i think that the first game kind of hit from nowhere i mean it's just like that mm -hmm. that seemed to come from there but there's a lot of hype around life is strange too i think there was a lot of people waiting for it and from what i know it it costs a sufficient amount of money to to produce and make and it took a relatively long period of time i think to kind of 
get it out there in front of people. Yeah, they uh, they started developing it. Uh, we'll get into the development a little bit more, but just to, to mention, since you mentioned that, they uh, started development pretty close after the first game finished releasing because if you remember the first game uh, had I, one or two episodes and then there were kind of long gaps in between um, but after that had all been released they started work on that in like 2016 so pretty pretty soon after all of the Life is Strange 1 thing but it didn't come out until late 2018 into 2019 mm -hmm. so you know pretty pretty significant development time for uh, a game of this type I would say uh, directed by Michelle Koch uh, I don't speak French, so if I mangle anybody's name, I do apologize. Uh, and Raoul Barbet, um, producer was uh, Luc Bagadoust. And uh, there were, it's a little bit odd to do some of the credits on this because there are five separate episodes. They do have five separate casts with tons and tons of overlap. So um, at, at the... Um, at, at the risk of skipping potentially somebody who may have been important. And I, again, apologize if I have done that. Um, we don't want to go and list, you know, every single person from every single episode. So you can look those up if you are so interested, but um, the two um, directors that I mentioned also are credited as writers uh, and um, story editors, along with Jean-Luc Cano and Christian Devine. Uh, the composer is Jonathan Morali, and uh, as I say, those the writers and uh, the composer uh, largely involved with the other Life is Strange games as well as some of Don't Nod's other content. Uh, so, yes, decided early on in development that the sequel would feature a cast of new characters. So this is not a direct sequel in that it uh, deals with the same cast or the same storyline, Although, as we will discuss later on, it does take place in the same universe, uh, demonstrably. There is a little bit of character overlap very late on in the story. But the director, Michael Koch, li likened the franchise to a TV series such as True Detective or American Horror Story. And this was around 2015, so those were pretty big uh, deals at the time and something that they uh, likely would have wanted to emulate. Focus of the game is less on the powers that Daniel, the younger brother, has. He he is uh, kind of dealing with his um, his powers of telekinesis kind of uh, emerging during the storyline. But that's not really the main focus of the story. They wanted this to be a more on the relationship between Daniel and his older brother, Sean. And uh, to do so, they set it up more like a road movie than like a uh, just kind of a strict, this is how his powers come into being storyline uh, by conducting some research by the team on the West Coast of the United States. I Maybe, maybe I hadn't done enough research about what I was getting into, but I, you know, I didn't realize it was quite a departure from, from what the first game was. Yeah, it's interesting because it, you know, you, when you hear that the protagonists of the game are a teenager, you know, they're, they're, I think, 16 and 19 when the game, or 16 and 9, rather, when the game starts. So if you hear that, you're not thinking, oh, this is going to be a traveling thing that, you know, spans all of these different locations and, you know, goes from the, the very northern part of the United States all the way down to the south. And, and I, at least I d just don't think of it that way when that's... When that's the, what the thing is, I mean, you, but you could argue that both well, both Life is Strange and Life is Strange Two are kind of coming of coming of age dramas. But mm -hmm. having oh, sure. having one set 
in a single location versus one set, you know, spanned in many locations on a on a journey, they come off two very very different presented games for for I, that. I think that part of that too is what you already spoke on, Leah, which is about the the focus on the relationship between the brothers and less on the powers to the mm-hmm. sense to the point where they actually they make your protagonist the powerless one in this game. You know, you're you're experiencing the powers through the point of view of somebody who does not have powers. So it it does take some of that the agency from the first game just naturally away because you're not deciding whether or not to use your power. Like you are in certain aspects directing Daniel to do that, but um, uh, but yeah, it just putting you in the the point from the point of view of the spectator, not actually the the person right, with the powers as, changes. As broad that. as it is, long right? You I mean you can yeah. decide to use his powers to do things for good or bad. But yeah, I mean, he won't always listen to you either is is the thing. Depending on the kind of relationship that you build with him, he can just tell you no and do what he wants anyway. And and that can be seen in kind of smaller ways. Like there's the one I'm thinking about here is there's um, a point when you're out kind of in the desert and he's he's uh, messing with a scorpion. Like he's he's just kind of toying with it with his powers. And you can either tell him to stop or don't say anything. And if you tell him to stop depending on what kind of relationship with him, he will either listen to you and stop or he won't and he'll kill the scorpion. And and that's just, it's, it's, they also, in addition to saying that it was about the relationship, talked about um, how they wanted you to be, you as, as the protagonist, as, um, as Sean, to be kind of a model for your brother. So he's going to take a look at what you're doing and the example that you're setting and the instructions that you're giving him. And he's going to take in a lot of that to, to kind of form what he does and who he is uh, with these crazy powers that he has. So the release dates uh, spanned sometime about a year uh, on their original release. So the five episodes came out in between September 27th, 2018 and December 3rd, 2019 for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the PC. There was also earlier this year, in February of 2023, as of recording, a Switch port that was released for uh, considerably later, which I found to be kind of interesting. But uh, but yeah, Switch port after the fact. Uh, there were also Mac and Linux versions released sometime later. I don't have a specific date on those. And there have also been, you know, because it is a primarily digital game, there have been bundles, there have been air quotes collector's editions, you know, there have been game of the year type versions. So, um, but the the main versions uh, were the one that started in 2018 and came out into 2019. Uh, reviews were pretty good, not stellar, but uh, we had a, from Metacritic, a 78 for the PS4 version, a 79 for the Xbox One version, and then a little bit lower on the PC, it was a 70. GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10, Game Informer gave it an 8.5, and Famitsu actually gave it a 36 out of 40, which is pretty high. Before we get into the meat of the story, uh, I'd like to get into our histories with the game. Uh, and Brian, I want to start with you mm-hmm. because I know that you did not play this when it came out. You have only played it relatively recently, yeah. right? Yeah, I got um, way into the uh, kind of walking simulator type games during COVID when I was stuck at home. I think I was kind of looking for like just human type stories where you couldn't interact <laughs> during a time where you couldn't interact with other humans. So I played a bunch of them. I played like everybody's gone to the rapture and Edith Finch and gone home and, and the original life is strange. And I enjoyed the original life is strange quite a bit. And I, um, I downloaded life is strange too, with a plan to get to it. And then it just sat there as a lot of my purchases do for a while. And then, uh, when this 
podcast came up for recording, I, I started playing through it about about a month ago, time of recording, and played through it over the better part of a week and a half. And uh, what I will say is I, I started getting into it, and uh, normally I kind of break these games up into chunks and play them when I'm in the mood for it, and I found that I had to stick with this game uh, and play it every night until I was done because I was afraid that if I didn't, I wouldn't finish it. So um, I'll kind of get into that, into the why of that in a little while. But uh, but yeah, played through it over the course of five or six days, um, and um, I ended up uh, 100%ing it in the collectible sense. I followed a guide and got all those things, and then I went back through just today just to kind of get a feel, and I played through that first chapter again too, just to see if my opinion had changed at all about the start of the game. So uh, so yeah, uh, about a, I don't know, six days, maybe 15-ish hours to get through it all, I think. Something in that, in that range. Uh, John, I think yours is, your experience is a little bit closer to mine, uh, because you had played it previously, and then you played through most of it again uh, prior to recording. Is that right? Yeah, basically, um, I've got a fairly standard um, way that I play all of these episodic games, where I find it quite difficult to play them as they come out and I think it's quite notable that you mentioned previously this came out over the course of something like 14 months which is I mean even longer if you want to consider Captain Spirit as well that's a heck of a long time to be waiting for some of these things (laughs) especially seeing as every single one of these games that I've played like this just loves doing big dramatic cliffhangers at the end of every episode so I can't, I like can't sit around and wait. And also I've got a terrible memory. I will forget what has happened in the four months between episodes without any problem. Four months in between then. It was something crazy like that. If you look at it, it's like September, February, July, September, December or something like that. It's it's a long time. It was slightly more regular than Life is Strange 1, but but it was still pretty spaced out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, I just just can't do that. In all of these cases with all the Walking Deads and the other other Telltale games and previous Life is Strange and stuff, Tell Me Why the same, even though I think Tell Me Why came out over the course of like three weeks or something like that, like an episode every week. Um, Yeah, I just, I've always just waited until everything's out and played it. So, this came out in, I think, the final episode in December 2019. And I think by that point, as with all of these things, you hear a lot of um, a lot of people talking about it. And I remember hearing a lot more positives about this than the first game, which I had played after it came out and was quite mixed on whether or not I liked it. I think kind of like when I heard that people were enjoying this one a lot more, I you know, I wasn't going to say, no, I'm not playing it. So w- once it had come out, I think I, looking at the dates that I got the achievements on the Xbox version, it looks like I basically couldn't put it down. I did three episodes, the first three episodes in one day, apparently, according to this, starting at like five o'clock in the morning, if the times are right on these. Um, bear in mind, this is right before Christmas, so I'm assuming I wasn't doing anything else, probably just having a week off or something around Christmas. So I played three episodes in basically one sitting and then for some reason left it for a week and played the last <laughs> two episodes back to back, which is kind of strange, but whatever. Just a break. <laughs> I, a yeah, <laughs> basically. I assume something happened. I assume it was a little bit overwhelming, um, those first three episodes in one long day. Uh, so, but anyway, because that's now three and a half years ago, I like, I remember lots of things about it, but I definitely needed to, to refresh a lot before the podcast. So I've picked it up again. Unfortunately, I, I kind of wish I'd, I'd at least started it a day or two earlier. I think I started the first episode about four days ago and 
yeah, it's I don't know how I played it like that the first time round. It's it's kind of overwhelming. I've got to the point now where I've basically done roughly an episode every day for the last three days or four days, and I've gotten into episode four, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't just sort of ran out of time because there's a point in that. There's some extremely frustrating things in episode four based around the whole church community where I did just sort of go, oh, I, I don't want to see this these people again. I don't want to give this the time of day. <laughs> so, I mean, I will I will go back and finish it just to see where the endings go. But I kind of, I remember the vast majority of what happens in the game at this point. So, My history is uh, actually pretty similar to John's. I did not, I, I am also of the mind that I don't really have the willpower to just not play an episode for uh, however many months there are in between. I, I'm the same way with TV shows. I rarely will be watching a TV show if it's not already finished. Uh, I just I need it, need it, need it right now. Uh, so I did wait on this one, even though I was a pretty big fan of the original Life is Strange. Actually ended up playing this one, um, according to my trophy list, uh, in the end of 2020. Um, so not too far after quarantine had started and I played it, um, I've mentioned before and, uh, Brian and I have mentioned, um, on our other podcast, um, the, uh, the, the, um, thing that I have where, uh, Rich and I will sometimes play games just streaming back and forth. And, uh, even if they're not multiplayer, just, you know, screen sharing. Um, and we did that with Life is Strange 2. And I got a, um, I got an ending um, that, I, I mean, I think it would have been pretty much the same had I played it by myself, but it's a little bit of a different focus when you're playing a game like that and you have somebody else <laughs> with you. Um, it, it's, you know, it's not, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how to put this, but it it's just not as immersive maybe because you know you're it's it's a different kind of experience because instead of being all up in your own head about it you've got somebody else there to you know to talk about the the different options with or to you know sometimes it's um like more of a uh, collaborative decision than it is just something that i personally would have done by myself uh, and also because sometimes you get off on um, like different conversational tangents, uh, there were things that I had forgotten happened because I wasn't paying as close <laughs> attention. And I don't, I don't say that as a negative. I just say that as a different experience than the one that I had when I played the game again, which I guess was about two weeks ago. Uh, I, I did it pretty much like one episode, maybe not every day, but like every other day. Um, because it was a lot and um, I did not want to be depressed all the time. So uh, yeah, I, I, there were a few things. I mean, it, it was, it was mostly, um, mostly the same in terms of choices that I ended up making, but the differences that there were ended up with a completely different ending, um, which we'll talk about what those, what endings we got as, um, as we, kind of go through the story here but uh but yeah two very different um kind of experiences playing this and uh, i'm really glad that i did that because it's you know just going back through because you know it saves your you can go back in and look at your cho look at your main choices it doesn't save all of them but you can go back and kind of look in the uh, the sheets that they give you at the end of each episode um you can see those in your save files and i was looking through and i was like okay well yeah most of this is the same oh but this was very different <laughs> so um 
Yeah, the, the, the one, there was a lot more murder in the playthrough that I did with Rich, and I'm not sure whether, <laughs> um, not not quite sure what I should make of that. Um, I know but, exactly what you uh, should make of that, but go on. <laughs> anyway, um, and then Tony, I you just finished this about an hour ago, right? So uh, you're you're coming in very fresh. My my, my thoughts are very fresh. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you like so um, obviously I knew I had this coming up, but to tell, so I hated Life is Strange. So I had no intentions of playing Life is Strange two whatsoever. Yeah, I play. I had a little look at Captain. Uh, was it Captain? Doo -doo -doo -doo. Spirit. spirit there we go i was captain marvel that's not right <laughs> captain <laughs> spirit um when it came out just to, just to, because it was free and i just wanted to see and i thought that was a really interesting episode but it was just like well that's this is clearly going to have very little to do with the the main kind of continuation of life is strange i came away liking some of the characters from life is strange was interested to see how that that journey continued just from a kind of more overarching but not enough to kind of want to go through that experience again um, I'm not sure how I ended up on this episode, to be honest. I must have put myself down as green on the traffic lights. And then I think Leon saw it as a funny joke to stick me into Life is Strange 2 <laughs> with a smile on his face saying, well, one of us from that original episode, apart from Leo, who <laughs> didn't enjoy it, should be there, have fun. And I kind of saw that kind of document that came out, what shows we were doing, and I was like, God damn it. Ugh. And... So I've been putting it off, to be honest, completely just like, ah, yeah. And I've got other stuff, been playing other games, been playing other stuff for game rinse. Um, and then it came and I was like, well, it's not going to be that long. It's going to be like six, seven hours in my head checked. And each episode is like two, two and a half, three hours. And it's, a, you know, about a 15 hour game. And I was like, oh, right. I better get cracking. So, yeah. So basically, you know, cutting out a very long story short, it was uh, a case of me over the last four or five days just playing episodes back to back um and then i've had a very busy weekend and then just finishing it up this afternoon um and coming yeah, an hour before the the show I, I wasn't i wasn't panicking it was all good <laughs> but um to the finish line isn't yeah, it no no it's um <laughs> i i guess we've already kind of spoiled some things but I, i'll i'll do the formal spoiler alert here um i think i should probably move this up in my show notes template so that sometimes we do this uh, like at the beginning um but yeah so if you we are going to directly spoil a lot of things so if you haven't played life is strange 2 yet and you are interested in doing so uh you can typically find it uh pretty you may already own it it has been on i'm pretty sure both games with gold and um playstation plus so um have a look see if you are uh if you are interested in doing so and uh yeah come back to us we will be here um if not though we are going to keep going and we're going to start off with some correspondence you can come to our forum canemrince.com slash forum or you can join our patreon patreon.com slash canemrince and uh, leave us comments we love to read comments on the shows and uh, see what you thought about it. I'm going to start with this one from the forum from Squibster9 who says, really enjoyed this, possibly more than Life is Strange. Deals with big dramatic life events set across the usual themes of growing up and the gameplay and narrative hook of a kid with supernatural abilities, which the choices are often tied to. I love the setting in Northeastern USA, the feeling of being on the run, finding our way, learning our power, limits, and responsibilities. The allegorical story of the wolves helps drive home the emotional truth of the story too. The world felt more adult than Life is Strange 1, even though one of the characters is a preteen. Ultimately, you need to buy into the characters, themes, and dialogue for it to work. 
For the most part, I did, but I can see why it didn't work for everyone. There were some oddly framed moments and awkward dialogue along the way. Um, I, I, I want to come back to uh, the part about it feeling more adult than Life is Strange 1, because I very much agree. Um, but first, before we do that, I want to read one more piece of correspondence. Uh, and this is from our Patreon from a New Dark Cloud, who says, The thing that stands out to me in Life is Strange 2 better than anything else is that scene where Sean and his birth mother talk at the hotel. I was impressed at how they threaded the needle in that scene, neither forcing Sean to forgive her nor demonizing her for her decision to walk out on the family. And that's kind of how the game felt to me in a microcosm. It was empathetic in a way that's still fairly rare in video games, treating its cast like people, even as they make decisions that cause them and the people around them a great deal of pain. It's something I'd like to see more of. Oh. Okay. So um, I, I mentioned that I wanted to come back to it feeling more adult because um, that was something when I was reading this correspondence um, that I thought rang really true. And I'm, I, I'd like to start us off uh, as we start talking about the game proper um, by asking, I, does, this, does this also ring true for you guys? And why do we think that is or is not? I feel like it kind of does because... And like the first game is very much based around kind of teenage themes and the vast majority of the, obviously the main characters, but also the supporting characters are largely, what are they in that game? Like 17 or 18 or something, but they're all. Yeah. Like the end of high school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So they're all like young adults. Whereas this game, you do have two younger children but basically all of the rest of the supporting cast, pretty much everybody Mm -hmm. else that they interact with throughout it are adults. And rather than themes of kind of teenage, um, sort of teenage angst and lust and kind of schoolyard kind of um, power dynamics and stuff, this is much more about more kind of growing up things. It's obviously much more about you playing a a, a sort of a, a faux father figure to your your younger mm. younger son, um, son, younger brother, and very much kind of trying to both like mentally look out for him, but also physically kind of take care of him while you're you're essentially just children, um, child runaways basically, um, kind of moving from different groups of people to try and find a more stable home. Like it is a much more like a much more serious kind of less frivolous feeling um, set of events that happen in this game. And, you know, it's not to say that the first game doesn't also have its quite serious themes and, and quite a a dark tone to it. But the, the problems here feel much more kind of more relatable for an adult rather than, I mean, it's been 20 years since I was at school. I haven't even thought about problems with bullying (laughs) and stuff since then. But these the things that come up here are like constant worries, you know, about security and safety and looking after the people that you care about in your life and, you know, who, who you surround yourself with. It just felt, despite the fact that they are young children, it did feel much more relatable, I think, to me now the way that I am. I'd like to think that I would agree with all of that if I wasn't a parent, but I think that did affect my experience too. Like seeing this kid who now is forced to be, as you said, that faux father figure um, did kind of drive a lot, a lot of things home for me, maybe in a more heavy way with a little bit more gravity because he's put in the situation now where he's essentially the father to his younger brother who has been 
like most younger brothers, a, a fairly just kind of annoyance in his life up until this point, you know. Uh, he certainly loves him and respects him and all those things, but, you know, they had the older brother, younger brother relationship, and, and now all of a sudden he's the person not only responsible for his safety, but for his freedom, for his sustenance on the road. Like, it's just like him being, Sean being thrust into that father situation, I think, I think made it just feel more adult from the jump. Like, there was more on the line. Um not just for Sean, but just for, for the responsibility for his younger brother. And then you, you pair that with the, uh, like the, the, the xenophobia and the racism, and then just like the, the aspect of survival that they deal with on a regular basis, whether it's from just, you know, food on the road to, you know, Oh, like my, my brother's now been absorbed into this cult and I'm uh, in federal custody, you know, like, it, it every the stakes to every situation feel higher to me, and I think that does a lot of the work towards making it feel like it is like more adult, more serious, more uh, significant in in some ways. And um, I think the game has some aspects where it does a great job at, at conveying that. I think there's some parts of the game where it literally beats you over the head with it, um, and to varying effect, I would say, but but definitely it does feel more adult or more significant to me than the first game did. Yeah, I I I agree with what you guys are saying uh, completely. I, it it just especially what Brian was saying about how sometimes it really does just kind of hit you over the head with it. Um, and and it's it's weird because I I don't know that I can. There there are a couple of places where I can probably point to and say, yeah, okay. The fact that they have these two redneck uh, hunter people, I can't swear on the show, um, these redneck hunter people at the very end who are, you know, dragging in uh, people just because they think that um, they shouldn't be allowed in our country. I mean, like, these are real people that yeah. exist in our country and i that's depressing and scary and sad and it, it it is very obvious like it's an obvious poll they're not trying to hide this they're not trying to make it a metaphor they're not trying to do any of that they're saying look at what is actually happening and so i have kind of mixed it's, feelings about hitting about being hit over the head with it because like it it it's it, it doesn't seem very graceful when you look at it that way, but also maybe we need to be hit over the head. I think it. it's what's, what's really difficult is it has so many of those themes. Now, I, I was talking to my wife after we had played it and she and I was trying to go through the themes of Life is Strange 2. And, and, and I say this in the nicest way, but it was like, um, um, you know, going over what all the symbols on the pride flag mean. It's like there's there's so many aspects and so many issues you know um social issues that it's it's trying to address in its five episodes and inevitably some of them i probably aren't done the service it needs um and some but some of them are really done very very well and i'm i'm mm -hmm. I'm always more eager for something to to try than just to ignore but even but sure. there is there is elements uh, there is some times where you think okay yeah like that could have been more graceful but there's other elements where i found myself squirming in my seat and not in a oh well, isn't this horrific? It's more like God, that is really on the nose, and I wish that that didn't exist. And it and uh, for 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 instance, if you talk about the two rednecks, I mean that's a real kind of you know characterized version of those of that kind of thing. But the, when you get when you fall asleep in your car and those two guys 
come and wake yeah. you up in your car. That scene there where you've clearly got one guy's like, oh, you know, we were just trying to mess around with him. And another guy is like taking personal injustice that you're Mexican and wants to mess with you in a way. And like, you know, those situations happen. And it's I found that to be really uncomfortable, like, you know, him at the end asking me to sing like and, in a in a way that I'm like, oh, God, I want to crawl away from the screen right now. But this is a reality. And mm. knowing that we are going to talk about it on the show, it's one of those ones is like, you know, I think generally people know that Kano is a fairly, fairly open space and left this show, um, you know, available for all. And we have our fairly strong opinions about. Uh, about that you know the the inclusion of many so this game really does play into that and it'll be interesting to see what were the highlights or lowlights for us as we you know work our way through some of the story i completely agree with that point it was a point that i was thinking like how do i make that point eloquently and then and then you did it and and i think the thing that bothers me is not the depiction of racism because I I know that exists. I know people. I know people who are like that. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it's crazy. And yeah. and and I think that it's important as you said to to try to depict that. My my problem with this game as a whole not and we'll get into it more as we go through the story and everything else but is I'm glad that that was depicted. I'm glad that people who may be in such a shell that they don't know that those opinions exist, those people exist. I'm glad that it's there. I really am. Um, but my question to the game is, okay, you've depicted it. Now what, like, what was the purpose of this? What was, what was the message you're trying to convey? And I think that's where it gets muddy. And I don't, I think the game presents you with a lot of unique, very real, emotional, um, stressful, uh, problematic challenges, but I'm not sure what the game is trying to say about any of those. That's that's where... There's there's at times where that stuff does come from the the choices of the player. So, for instance, if you talk about the rednecks at the very end of the game, in that scenario, yes, you end up in a cell next to them because essentially by what they've done by law, I you're know, kind of knocking you out and shooting your brother, yeah. um, isn't isn't legal. So they find themselves rightfully in the same like a jail cell right next to you, mm-hmm. and but you have that opportunity at the end of that scene is with Daniel whether you whether you can actually because I. You can either let them go, or can you kill them in the cell? Like, can you? I think you knock them out. Yeah, if you, you can take. I'm, I'm not sure because I never did. I always just left them there. Yeah, you, yeah, you, I ran. You, you I can ran take them, yeah. revenge. Like there is scenarios throughout the game where, as a player, even if it's not directly, indirectly, you ta- can take revenge on those people, and then you fall down in that moral ground of like, well, you know, does this make me any better than them? You know, should I be taking the high ground here? Shall I go with my pure emotions? So I think those those that stuff does come up, but yeah, you haven't got a, a telegraphed. I think anything more than you know isn't isn't this bad? You know, isn't you know should we should do better? Or you know, how do people end up like this? You right, know, it, it doesn't. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure what space it can. I mean, the game's already relatively relatively long, um, and I think it. It helps. I think one of the things that actually changes with this game from the first game, because it is a road movie, there is a an element of always moving forward. Where I felt like in the first game, it was very much based around one or two locations and you would move from here to the, like it was very much all kept in one place where because this is a road movie, like there's always a direction of forward travel. You are trying to get to the border. There will be some stops along the way. 
but essentially you are trying to go from one scenario to the next scenario to the next scenario rather you know as as your journey and the, and they're kind of like organically happen to of course you're in bad luck like i always make you laugh and it's like watching a, a television drama where you're like god who would want to live in this town <laughs> like, like everything happens in this place and for them yeah a lot of bad stuff does happen to them but i also think it happens in a in a more kind of organic way even though as john said right at the start of the show there is some cliche elements about ending up on a pot farm trying to earn some money in the middle of california but you know there's some interesting characters on that pot farm i think that if i had a a complaint about the way that they handled this it's that it all seems to be like there's i'm trying to think how to put this there is a very neatly wrapped up issue in each of the episodes so you've got episode one which is police brutality (laughs) and then you have episode two which is child abuse and then you have episode three which is weed and then you have episode four which is religion and then you have episode five which is racism and like it just it 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 feels very directed and i'm I'm conflicted as to whether that making me feel uncomfortable is a good thing or not i'm glad they don't label each episode like that that probably would have put my back up right i don't know i i almost wouldn't have been surprised Um, also one of those five things is not quite on the same level as the others right oh the weed yeah um i mean but you know they it's it's what they're i i don't think that they are demonizing that i i think that they are just acknowledging it as an so, issue i, I think that yeah that, it's kind I, of that a episode of the life in that episode yeah i think that episode should would actually be named for me as discovery like self-discovery mm. for yeah. me anyway like the weed was a backdrop of where they were actually that episode for me was more about sean finding out who he was with a group of new people slightly mm. older than him yeah, that sure. understand have been around the world a little bit more and like yeah. let go of those inhibitions that you're clearly holding up because it's making you a kid in a situation where you need to be an adult. Mm. You know? I mean, and arguably apart from the, uh, the glaring like major conflict in that episode, it is out of all of them. It seems to be the one where the, the characters seem like the most safe and the most yeah, secure most and the most happy by, by a long way. Yeah. yeah. And you know, things mm-hmm. are actually working out for three quarters of that episode or more than that even. So it it re- really felt depending like the on, positive um, one to me. Depending on how your ending goes, you can end up with uh, at least one of the characters from that episode in the ending. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I that's just to quickly kind of go over the general. Um, I don't even know storyline of the uh, of the game here. Um, and please feel free to cut in if I'm missing anything important. Sean and Daniel start off the game and you think it's going to kind of be a similar situation to Life is Strange 1 because it is a pretty typical, you're gathering supplies for a party, your little brother's being annoying, your dad is, you know, a pretty cool dad, but also he's a parent, so, you know, he's not that cool. I interacted with him, (laughs) making sure he was the cool dad. I was like, no, every dad should be cool dad. (laughs) Uh, I, so, I mean, he was cool. He was, I didn't lie to him. He gave me more uh, money. Not, not, not to jump to the head ahead to the end of the of this episode, but like when when I had that stat afterwards of how many people hugged Dad 
I was like, I was like, it's like, like ninety something. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got a lot like, like from humanity out of that. Like, I was like, absolutely, that's great. You should have hugged your dad if you were honest with him. He gave you more money, and you told him that, yeah, I'm taking this money for beer, and I'm taking it for pot. You know, like, and you were honest with him. He was like, all right, I was seventeen once. Like, I, I loved that little interaction in the garage. It was a very small moment, but it, it stuck with me through the entire, that, yeah. the very effective at establishing that relationship. <laughs> There is a one good father in this game, and he dies very quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, so yes, he, after you um, are, have have kind of gone through this introductory period, you uh, have an altercation, or your brother rather, uh, Daniel has a kind of minor altercation with the next door neighbor, which results in the police getting called. And uh, after he comes out to investigate what's going on, your father is shot and killed. Um, this basically sets off Daniel's powers and he accidentally kills the police officer who shot his father. Uh, so in kind of a panic of what do we do? Um, Sean and Daniel take off and just are, are on the road with no real plan uh, other than to move towards Mexico where their father was from and uh, try to get down there to uh, a town called Puerto Lobos, which um, is wolf port. Uh, and wolves are kind of a recurring theme. Uh, you, you get a story from Sean uh, that starts off every chapter and uh, kind of just is, is how he uh, refers to himself and his brother. They're the, the wolf brothers. So uh, after that, there's uh, a bit of kind of on the road, like literally on the road type of uh, of activity where you meet a couple of different characters. You uh, camp out for a little while. There's a gas station where um, you are <laughs> captured and locked to a radiator uh, by a guy who thinks that he recognizes you. Uh, you do meet some actual helpful people like uh, Brody, who is just basically the Seth Rogen character of, of the game, uh, who is kind of an online journalist who, uh, who helps you out and kind of gets you away from where you have been imprisoned and uh, gives you a little bit of money, gets you kind of secure enough or secure for the moment. Uh, and on your way to your grandparents' house, which is um, a very uncomfortable place for me. I don't know if you guys felt uncomfortable with uh, Claire and Steven, but I sure did. Um, because, like, you feel like... So, to... let, let's let's stop here, because I, I want to talk about them for a minute. Uh, well, actually, first of all, I guess we can kind of uh, back up to the beginning. Um, I... This is a really tough way to start your game. Uh, it's painful. It is really abrupt and um just it, it it it's shocking i would say genuinely and not because they were just trying to be shocking i think that it's shocking because this is the kind of thing that can happen and does happen in the united states and other countries sure all the time you know it it's it's unfortunate and it is scary and you know it kids don't have telekinetic explosions every day at least not that i'm aware of but um up until that part you know i mean if that had not happened then probably it, this just would have ended with uh sean and daniel being caught and placed into some kind of foster care or juvenile detention or something uh and and separated a, a big part of the um 
the the frightening things that they go through is that they both you know talk about pretty frequently that they don't want to be separated that you know they they are they are concerned that if they go back and turn themselves in if they're found out that they are going to be separated and then they're just going to not really have anybody or anything so, and that's depressing are we going to break it down to just quickly kind of talk about the first episode and move on and next yeah, and next sure. but I was just going to kind of go through when yeah, no, so it's not me when you want. But, uh, so so but for yeah. me, I think yeah, the first episode is somewhat, it, it can come across as somewhat awkward and but more in the end of the episode for me. But it this opening thing, yeah, yeah I was a little bit concerned coming from Life is Strange while I'm thinking, oh my God, here we go. We've got another set up teen drama. Here we go. Um, and then, yeah, that moment happens. And the entire time I'm looking at the screen going, don't run. Don't run. Guys, yeah. don't run. Because... You like I know that this is a really bad situation, and yeah, like you are going to be in trouble, but don't run because this is going to make it ten times worse. And of course, your option, your only option is run. And for a, a big chunk of that episode on the road, um, the first episode, uh, I'm kind of just looking and going, "Why are you doing?" Like clearly, you have no plan. I'm doing the parent thing, like you have no plan, you have no money. Where are you going to go? You're wanted by the pl- like. All these things, just don't do it because nothing good can come from this. You are going to freeze to death. You're going to be yeah. eaten by mountain lions. Like, what do you know about yeah. bringing up, you know, and and, he's, and even like I was actually really angry at Sean because I'm like, yes, this has happened and it's awful. And I, I, we've all been, I'm maybe not killing police officers, but we've all been in those moments where you do something really, really silly and you're thinking, maybe. like, should Maybe should I okay, should I own up to this or should I make a story up or just walk away? And we've all had that experience in our life. And nine times out of ten, the walk away option is probably the worst option you can take because it always comes back to haunt you. But I found that episode frustrating because for the majority of time, I'm sat there like questioning what Sean's choices were here. Obviously, it's yeah. a video game, and obviously, it's trying to tell a story. So. You you understand that when you're getting into these things, thinking, well, it wouldn't be a very entertaining video game if he just turned himself in and game over, good job done. But as as the trip escalates and the the stakes escalate and the seriousness of the crimes escalate, and you're thinking, if you just listen to me at that first day, just like stood still, you probably would have been, you know, maybe not given the slap of the wrist, but it, you wouldn't have been where you would have been at the end of that episode. But yeah, that was my my initial feelings about the first episode. The moment in the gas station when you're deciding whether or not to buy food for Daniel and you buy a hot dog or I bought a hot dog for him and like you see that thirty dollars and twelve cents you have <laughs> like go down to like twenty and you just like I felt the weight of that you know I mean, we've I, most people I would assume and including myself definitely have been in that moment where you're spending what little money yeah. you have left and you're just like oh he wants, no he wants to have a go like, on the know. arcade machine i'm like uh, yeah yeah no exactly, no claw yeah. machines in this this budget <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. not just... no claw machines i did buy him a, a candy bar though because i told him i, I would and i keep my promises yeah the the lady at the register who i thought was a nice lady gave me a keychain for him for free so mm-hmm. that was nice but um yeah uh, but it just it, it was one of those moments like that that's where the gravity of the situation kind of starts to set in. I thought it was pretty effective. Um, yeah, yeah. Buy buy him a jumper. You can't afford yeah. a tent. Steal a tent, and that steal it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's re- I mean, that stuff. That stuff's really obvious. It's like it just plays with your your own moral compass. It's like, well, this is a video game. Like, if I steal a tent and I get caught, what's the worst that happens? But I sat there and looked at a tent and thought, 
and I can't still attend. Like that's not the role model I want to be for this this kid. Like that's not who I am. I'm going to play this who I am. And you walk out, and actually in that episode, you your bag. Although the guy turns out to be a complete prick, um, he does go through your bag, and there was this satisfaction of, yeah, yeah, I didn't actually steal anything, even though yeah, I didn't steal anything <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no difference. Also, yes, I felt like I was being a good role model by not stealing, but I did then stamp on the guy's head in front of Daniel like 10 minutes later. So, you know, some crimes are are worse than others. It does set that tone, though. I mean, it really does, for for better or worse, it sets the tone that this is is not going to be your typical coming-of-age story. Like, that, that first chapter is filled with brutal moment after brutal moment, and then you get to a you know, an oasis, for lack of a better term. Brody gets you a hotel room, you get to hang out, and then Daniel sees the news story about your dad on TV, and and it all kind of comes back. Like, even when things feel safe, things feel warm, normal, the reality of the situation kind of keeps rearing its ugly head. And um, I I think it is effective at setting that tone, for sure. But I think it's also kind of notable that that first episode does still have bits of levity and bits of like childishness in it it really feels like that moment that at the end of it when daniel finds out that the that his father is dead is also like a changing point in his character to some extent but you get before that when you're camping on the beach you get the the option to like tell him either make a fire like you know do the responsible thing or why don't you pretend we're playing forts or something like that and there's there's a few little spots in there you can choose whether or not to play hide and seek with him you can kind of still string it along yeah, as if you're stones. just having fun um, and things aren't too terrible before the inevitable there, there dawns on weird, everybody. A weird thing in that episode where Daniel just assumed you were going on a camping trip with his dad's blessing, like just not realising what had happened. That didn't sit so great. I mean, it's just like, well, clearly like Daniel knows something happened and he didn't speak to his dad and you suddenly run away. Like, although he may have blacked out, like, we're just going to go on a camping trip with no supplies. It's all cool. Don't worry. Like if he knew anything about his dad, who was fairly kind of like, you know, these are the rules of my house. Follow them, please. And like at the entire time, I was like, dad wouldn't just send them out of, you know, no contact of anybody. <laughs> but you know. yeah, I, I feel like the voice acting does a lot of the lifting there though. Like I, I thought that Daniel's voice acting throughout the entire game good. was really great. And it like, it sells that innocence and naivety of youth, like in a, and then, and then, as he kind of comes to, you know, to, to confront these adult issues from a, a nine-year-old's perspective, as he goes along, I, I, I think that did a lot of the heavy lifting there, um, in, in selling that to me. Um, I don't think, and again, maybe I could be wrong, and everybody has a different experience, but like, like if in that age, I had an older brother that was five years older than me, and there are times in my life where if I would have just kind of woken up in a car with my older brother and my older brother told me, Hey, <laughs> this is what's happening now. I would have been like, all right. You know what I mean? Like, it, like I, I had that relationship and I, I thought about that too, yeah. because I mean, I, I have a younger sister. She is 10 years younger than I am. And like, if, if, if there had been a point at which she was, you know, eight or nine years old and I'm 18 or 19 and you know, would they, she probably would have, you know, yeah. just at, at least for a while, she probably would have been okay with that. Yeah. At least the first couple steps. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like at, now, now, I granted, I do think that obviously that the situation in its totality is unrealistic for him to believe that yeah. he could sell Daniel well, sure. on this lie for that long. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I could see that happening, and and the biggest part of that to me is is the voice acting because I think there's something I don't know it's it's something in the exasperated tones of both of those kids 
Sean and Daniel, like when they're getting frustrated, when they're getting upset or annoyed or confused, like it just, it strikes as genuine. I think without those two performances, this game would have been a lot more difficult to swallow that. And I, and, and I find the whole thing difficult to swallow in general. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I really do think that they, they did a great job at conveying that. So episode two uh, is the the grandparents episode, also known as the child abuse episode, which is real downer, and I do not care for it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is where this is. Um, so w- the grandparents are not the abusive ones. Um, it, um, well, they're uh, I would say maybe emotionally abusive. Yeah, say so they're maybe not great. They're maybe not great parents. No, I was talking more about Chris's yeah. father. Um, who is both physically and emotionally abusive, um, as we find out basically through, uh, mostly through, uh, the adventures of Captain Spirit, but also, um, through various kind of uh, touches in the episode itself. So, um, you reach, uh, there's first a, uh, a sequence where you are, um, you and your brother are, um, kind of holed up in this, uh, cabin that you find in the woods, just an abandoned cabin, uh, and then you make your way to, um, Daniel starts to get sick. So you, uh, rather than try to kind of ride it out, you think, okay, well, this is, um, this is, you know, we have to take care of this. So you go to your grandparents' house and, uh, they've kind of been estranged from their grandparents because of their mother who abandoned the family. She is still alive as far as you know, at this point. Um, but you haven't seen her. Uh, Daniel doesn't even really know her. Um, but these are her parents, so, uh, your, your, um, extremely waspy grandparents, um, and, uh, yeah, so you spend some time with them and their neighbors who are, um, uh, Chris from the Adventures of Captain Spirit and his father, um, so until you are basically found out by the police and have to move on, um, so, uh, thoughts about this. Did, okay, so did everybody play The Adventures of Captain Spirit? Was there anybody who didn't? I haven't played it recently, but I did play it probably before I played the whole game a few years ago. Yeah, that's same thing as I did, yeah. So I feel like, it, Brian asked me, um, I think when you started, Brian, the, uh, the episode, should I play this? Yeah. Um, and I think my response was something to the effect of, you don't really have to, but it's probably a good idea. The more I think about it, the more I, I think that, like, this almost should have just been part of the game. Yeah. Um, because I, I really do feel like, I mean, you could play this episode without having played that, but then your interactions with Chris would be, I mean, they would be kind of meaningless, right? Like, it's yeah. it's another kid who is there and you know nothing about his background. You don't really know that his father is a an alcoholic who has uh, his wife has passed away, and he just is completely unable to deal with it, and is taking it out on his son. Yeah, um, that does that does play into how hard. Sean would feel in that situation, though, being a complete outsider. Yes. So it kind of works yes. in that respect, right? Yeah, I. Um, yeah, go ahead. That, that I, you're gonna, I, I don't you're know, gonna I have know where to start with this. So please, you're gonna have to please. stop me at some point during this one, um, okay. <laughs> because this is this is where I was ready to yeah. to, to walk away. Um, it's hard. Yes. So I played the Adventures of Captain Spirit, and it, and I was glad that I played it because it fleshed out Chris's story. Um, his dad is an abusive alcoholic, uh, going obviously with unchecked grief uh, about the loss of Chris's mother, his wife, 
Um, he, you know, you kind of wake up and he's having breakfast beers as he's making you an omelet or whatever. Um, because it's the day of the big game. And honestly, I identify with that, not from an alcohol abuse perspective or anything like that, but like I come from a, a, a long line of Buffalo Bills fans and on tailgate day, we go out to the stadium and it's nine o'clock in the morning and you're having beers cause it's game day and blah, blah, blah. Um, and and to see the interactions between Chris and his father and and all those things and the way that devolves over the course of the day and there's that one scene that just kills me when when Chris walks over to his father and you can interact with the whiskey bottle and Chris says why does he drink this if it makes him so angry and I just like it just it broke me it just broke me inside um so you play through the chapter and Chris eventually his father hurts him says some very hurtful things to him about you know, if your if your mother hadn't gone out to pick you up, she would be alive or, or, or something to that effect. And Chris runs out, climbs the treehouse, falls out of the treehouse and miraculously levitates as he falls to the ground. And, and as that ends, it cuts to a scene of Sean and Daniel in the backyard of their grandparents house. So if you were to have just played Captain Spirit with a knowing nothing about Daniel, you would assume that maybe uh, Chris has powers. But as you come to find out, Daniel was the one that levitated him. Um. And then you go through the chapter with Sean and Daniel, and they have this con- conflicted relationship. Um, now, the one thing we didn't mention is that at the very beginning of this chapter, before you even get to your parents, you have a whole scene in the woods at this cabin that you've been staying at. And if you have this dog that you have adopted from the gas station, um, this dog, Mushroom, which has been Daniel's kind of compatriot and, and friend, you know, uh, goes out and is murdered by a mountain lion. That's how the chapter starts. Daniel's new best friend puppy is killed in front of you. And then you can choose whether or not to kill the mountain lion or not. Uh, Regardless of that, you go to this town. And then now Daniel makes friends with the next door neighbor, who is Chris from the Adventures of Captain Spirit. And as you mentioned, Leah, you you get found out. You go to this kind of Christmas mall situation. Cops recognize you. They come to your grandparents' house, take you away. The way this chapter ended for me as I was playing is I had spent my time trying to keep my powers hidden from Chris. Because I was told, or Sean, excuse me, uh, Sean had been advising Daniel to not show his powers to Chris uh, because he didn't want to be found out. So at the end of this chapter that started out with Mushroom being taken away from Daniel, Captain Spirit, who is Chris, dressed up in his outfit, comes out and tries to use his telekinetic power, which he believes he has, on the oncoming cop car at him, and the cop car plows into him. And... You don't know if he survives or not, and then you run away, and that's the way the chapter ends. So this chapter was bookended Ooh. by Daniel's dog being taken from him, and then at the end, his be- new best friend, in big quotes, because you know how kids work. They find a new friend, sure. and all of a sudden, it's you know they're, they're friends for life, right? And then that kid gets hit by a car in front of Daniel, and then you run away. And I got to the end of that chapter feeling like all of my... All my purpose, all of my my drive for playing this game had just been completely taken away from me. And it's not because it's bleak, because I, I was telling this to a couple people when discussing this game, like like bleak media, is some of my favorite media, right? You know what I mean? Like I, I read and play sure. and watch movies and television that is bleak stuff um, and very disturbing and very violent and emotionally resonating, whatever. This just felt cruel to me. It felt cruel in every aspect. He found a puppy. It was taken. He discovered his grandparents. They were ripped away from him. He found a new friend. That friend was hit by a car. And I was just left at the end of this being like, why do they go on? Like, what? Like, why does this continue? How can this be better than being sent to a foster family? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I it 
it took the wind out of my sails to a point where I just it it took a legitimate amount and I'm not trying to make it sound like I did some sort I, I hit start on chapter three I didn't do anything big but like it took a lot of convincing for me to not message the group of you and be like I'm not sure I can do this because it just it just it just killed me and I'm not sure why I don't have the answers as to why any of that happened other than to just portray hey isn't it rough what they're going it's through like I don't you're know a caring person I I actually got a different um ending to that episode because i told sean or i told uh daniel rather that he had to stop lying to chris and tell him that chris didn't have powers oh, okay. mm-hmm. um and if you do that then he doesn't try to stop okay. the car and he doesn't get hurt um so i mean you still have to leave it is still not a good ending but i i think that it's i i think that maybe they were trying to show what the potential consequences could be either mm. way so either you are exposing or, or you are having daniel expose himself um by saying you know this is this is what i can do this is who i am you know you, you and and that's it you know or you are letting it go and potentially putting somebody else in danger because of the um because of the consequences there i think that there's also i was reading something about this i think that there's also the potential where he'll try to stop the car but if um, daniel does it instead yeah daniel will protect him under some circumstances i don't know exactly what i think um, i got that ending to the episode on i'm pretty sure both of my playthroughs certainly the one i just did the other day and i think the the hook to it is on the little thing that pops up at the end it does say that you saved Chris, but also Chris would have been upset that you lied to him or something. So it's kind of the the slightly worse version of what you're saying. But I yeah. think the yeah. the reason I got to that point was because I had tried throughout the game to be quite persistent with Sean or insistent that you shouldn't be flaunting the powers and you shouldn't be using them in front of other people, or at least you shouldn't be doing it very obviously in the way that Daniel did. But at the same time, there were various points where I did just kind of sit back and say to Daniel, "Hey, you probably should do it at this at this stage." Yeah, so, and one of them uh-huh. was the the I, granddad. I think the same with thing the... is like kind of a last resort type of yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can do this, but only if it's super, super, super yes. important. Yeah. And, look, and looking so, at the, how the options panned out, is like Daniel didn't have to save Chris. Daniel used his power to save Chris from the car, and Daniel didn't use his power to save Chris from the car. So there's there's three separate ways that's going to pan out. Now I had the same one as Brian, so. As far as I was concerned, that was canon. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Yeah. Something we haven't mentioned as well, just to, to kind of throw this in here. Uh, there are a lot of choices in this yeah. game. And um, it's kind of hard sometimes to tell which ones are going to be ha- have an effect on your, your later abilities and which ones are not. But there are some which are just like super pivotal choices. And they do surface those pretty explicitly. Like the game stops and the screen splits in half and it says here's one choice here's the other choice and you have to like pick one okay um so after the brothers run away uh pursued by the police maybe um leaving um a small child in their wake definitely uh hopefully not hurt but maybe 
we then go into the uh, the pot farm that we have mentioned previously. Uh, we have previously met uh, Cassidy, who is one of the main characters that you interact with in this chapter, at the uh, Christmas farm where the brothers were discovered. And uh, she was there playing guitar for money, um, or hopefully for money. Uh, and we, you had the opportunity to talk with her a little bit there. And um, then you just kind of, by, by chance, end up finding her and the other people who she is, um, who she is uh, in a group with and uh, get a job with them um on a marijuana farm now i um this guy really just made me think of um breaking bad <laughs> like i don't know whether that's what they were going for or not but uh and obviously you know it's a little bit less um less heroinish um i don't what, what were they doing in breaking bad meth. meth it was meth um it's been a while uh yeah so the this is this is marijuana. It's not meth. So like, I mean, the, the stakes are a little bit lower, but um, depending on your political beliefs, that might not make a difference. So um, you probably figure out where most of us stand. But um, yeah, so I, I don't. OK, somebody somebody take this from me because <laughs> I, I, I feel like. I feel like um, we, we've mentioned a little bit um, and I can't I can't recall who brought it up. Excuse me. But um, I, I feel like it is way more important that Sean and Daniel have interactions with the people there than that they are actively working on a marijuana farm. So, hmm. um, yeah. discuss, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, aside from the whole legality aspect of it, which presumably has not aged particularly well in the last five yeah, years. we in the country you are. Although there is actual discussion to this exact point between some of the characters, if you kind of hang around and listen to their dialogue between them about how you know, it's terrible that the government are coming in to legalize and then potentially regulate marijuana and the government will be just as bad as the kind of hired thugs who who you're interacting with in this uh, episode, which, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to imagine is quite likely correct that that's bad. Um, but yeah, this this does kind of very much to me just feel like the, the sort of the fun messing about episode, getting to know the character, your own characters a bit more. But it's also, you've got this kind of flip side with Daniel, where depending on how your interactions over the last two episodes have gone, he also starts to fall in with this other character, Finn, who is kind of a little bit older, and certainly in Daniel's mind is probably much more kind of worldly and cool, and also, you know, very importantly, not his larger, you know, his older brother. Um, So depending, I feel, on how... Daniel has felt like you've treated him in the last couple of episodes. You can get a lot more pushback of whether or not Daniel wants to continue in the same kind of interactions with you. And at the same time, he gets frustrated that uh, Sean can start to have uh, romantic feelings for, or, you know, at least sexual feelings for one of the other characters in this episode. Um, the interesting thing that I haven't seen in either of my playthroughs is what happens if Sean and Finn start getting the ro the like the romance yeah. between them. I'm quite intrigued as to what that looks like that. when Daniel. I um it. I did that uh, the yep. time around. Um, I never had the opportunity. I think it's because I didn't like Finn very much. Yeah, so I wasn't I very inclined to be that nice to him. Like he flirts. He kind of comes on, but he's never. 
he's never kind of explicit in the way that the yeah that Cassidy is that he would actually so be interested. Did you in guys you. get a haircut in this episode? I did I not. No. Okay. no. Okay. Well, that's then why you don't know. I think I did the first time I played through. Though. Well, I. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I want to hear. I want to hear from you, Brian, because um, I yeah, I, I never even got the opportunity to uh, start anything romantically with Finn. So. so I think the only reason I did is because I felt bad for like seeing the relationship with Daniel and Finn grow, and me um, like kind of growing distant from him. And Daniel did that like power thing in the water. We lift that whole stump up, mm-hmm. and it was like getting really kind of a little unchecked and kind of out of control. So like that entire night, I'm like, I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm going to be here for my brother. I'm going to go to bed with him. That whole thing. Like I wanted to be with him. So Cassidy runs to the lake. I didn't go with her. I I went down there. You kind of have to go down there, but then you can not get in the water. So I didn't get in the water with Cassidy. I'm like, nope, I'm going to go back. And then Finn was just there. And so I talked to him. And at the end of the conversation, you had the option to kiss Finn. And I was like, well, this is, something that I wasn't expecting. So yeah, let's let's go through that. And it kind of plays out from what I've looked at very similar to with Cassidy. It just it's really who you check on in the hospital after the next chapter I think is a bigger deal. I I'm not sure though. Um but we just we just kissed, went through the heist and then the heist obviously went the way it went and then the next day I was or the next chapter I was offered the chance to look in on him. It didn't really offer anything significant to to alter the story for me. So it doesn't, it doesn't really make Daniel interact with you any differently or interact with Finn any differently. Mm -mm. It actually gives you some options later down the line where there's a part in chapter five. We can talk about later where um, there is a, uh, a homosexual couple that lives there in the trailer Mm -hmm. park. And Daniel makes a comment about that and you can respond with, well, I kissed Finn. Is that weird? And Daniel's like, oh, no, people that love each other should love each other. You know, it's kind of it goes down that path. But other than that, I didn't see any real significant difference. So what I really liked about this episode um, or what I what I found to be a really well executed um, element of this episode was just the exploration that Sean has of his own Mm, sexuality. I feel like this is. It is because it comes up. Um, this comes up a couple of other times. Uh, not not with Sean specifically. In the next episode, um, you find out that Jacob, who yeah. we meet in this episode um, as one of the other people uh, in the group, we find out that he had originally been sent for conversion therapy by his parents because of this religion that uh, that they're a part of, um, because he had shown interest uh, in in other boys and obviously they would have none of that so you know it, and and that i i thought that that was i liked that that was included um and i i think that it's important that it was included but it was not as i didn't think it was as well integrated as kind of this is in this sean is he doesn't really know what he wants right like he's kind of confused he doesn't really know what he's doing uh in in like any aspect and he has a lot of choices and a lot of options that you know, he's not tied down to any one thing. And I, I thought that that worked better. And then again, in, in the final episode, we, we, um, Brian, I think you mentioned the, um, the, the gay couple who is living out in a way and like, they're great, you know, and you can talk to them and they, they seem to be, uh, you know, they have their own stories and everything, but also it's, <laughs> we'll talk about this when we get to episode five, but like, I feel like out there, there is like, 
here is the ex-army guy, and here is the woman who clearly has some kind of incurable disease, and here is the gay couple, and here is, like, it's, it's sure. like, yeah. look at all these quirky people we have out here, and, and that's just one of them. So, like, while I don't have any problem with the characters there, again, it's just not as... It's just not as well integrated. Um, so while yeah. I like that it's there, I think this is and where it, it really it's interesting as well because Daniel is right that Sean is. I think given the opportunity, if Daniel wasn't related, Sean probably would have been pushed to the side. Uh, Daniel would have been pushed to the side. Like he, it almost felt like he'd found his people. He'd found this life. Like he understood in his short term time of being in this situation why these people may have done these things. Understands the world a bit more, and I think that was a really important. Actually, what ends up happening is pushing away your your family around you sometimes does have these negative effects and it comes back in full swing yeah it gives sean that sense of hey everybody else has ended up here maybe not by their own choices too there was some life event mm -hmm. some other outside factor that led to them ending up here and boy aren't we a lovable bunch of outcasts and then yeah you can see he can see himself and all the others around him and it's yep. i it's just the way that sean starts to fall in love for cassidy and it's not done in like, like, oh, look, he's falling in love. He's going to have sex. It's it's done in a way that I think, you know, it's slowly, surely, believably. And then that payoff and almost the entire time, Cassidy looking at him going, dude, this is just going to be like a once off or not a once off. But, you know, this is just fun. And, you know, I know you're falling, falling for me, but it's just, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. Like you're going to move on. I'm going to well, move on. Although she does then contact him uh, on PO Box. The yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, well, actually, at the, the ending, ending that well. I got, she is with him in Mexico. So I never went to Mexico to yeah, spoil the ending possibly. in Ireland. <laughs> right. So after you leave the marijuana farm, um, there is a section where you are separated uh, as brothers because um, there has been a pretty major explosion. Uh, Sean loses an eye and is taken to the hospital where he is um, you know, being watched over by federal agents. Meanwhile, Daniel has escaped and is kind of on the loose and uh, you don't really know where he is up until that point. So um, you escape from the hospital um you have a couple of possibilities in there uh, notably whether you have to hurt anybody to escape and whether you uh, speak to finn who is in the hospital uh, a couple of rooms away from you i think that's always finn i don't think that's ever going to be cassidy oh, yeah, i am not I, sure I, I, yeah i i could i could be wrong about that i but, assumed um, it was I, finn I, because that was who i had my relationship with but i didn't now, seek see, it out with somebody else yeah. yeah i had i had cassidy but but it was still finn who was there i, I didn't talk to him because i was still pissed off at yeah, him so same. um and also you're um, in a bloody so windowsill like on a ledge yeah. in the middle of escaping leave that dude behind he's <laughs> he's not going to come with you or anything no, no good is going to come with this conversation yeah uh but once you escape you uh basically through a series of events make your way to the um kind of section of the the game where jacob who i mentioned before um has gotten in touch with you and has let you know that he has found your brother and has taken him to this church compound is that is that a uh, sure. an accurate assessment of this place um and he they know that he has powers and they are basically revering him as this uh this miracle this angel uh, so you meet up with their estranged birth mother karen who uh is going to assist you in getting your brother back and um that's the setup 
there this is a lot this is a lot um so i um i it it, it was very difficult for me so i i i grew up um going to church thankfully it was nothing like this um i don't do that anymore so i was a little bit more uncomfortable than i think maybe i would have been if i were still considered to be a religious person but even so i'm pretty sure that most people who are religious are not this so um yeah i found it yeah. difficult coming off the last episode uh, the last yeah but i get the last episode um where you know i was had some hope for humanity <laughs> i don't know just just the, the the interesting characters that are all around me and you know that was three hours of, of interest that played through i found this episode really hard to play through because i just felt it was pretty cliche all the way through like yes this stuff i mean religious cults are nothing new and of course you know i i look from into america from our our place in the uk and and kind of those outback places where people get dragged in and, you know, that is their world and they're willing to do anything. It just, it just felt not lazy, but it just felt like this episode didn't need to really exist for the story to be whole. It just, it kind of one of those, eh, a, a, a religious yeah. cults are bad. <laughs> I, so <laughs> this is one of my favorite chapters. Ah, in the see, game, it's but just, it shows, nothing, nobody shows you, doesn't it? it? But it has, it has nothing to do with, with a, a, all the points you have made are, are, are both, are all great it just this was kind of a cathartic moment for me because i felt that maybe things weren't as dire as they were in other chapters and i got to stick it to organized religion <laughs> which is a perfect which is like per, a personal victory um i do think that um this this uh chapter is really only a vehicle for reestablishing yeah. your relationship with yep. karen right like i mean like what no matter what the situation is it, this this chapter exists to reform that relationship whatever you decide it is if you want to give her some credit if you want to just push her away um, but either way your common goal is the saving of daniel and i and that's kind of the theme of the whole game right like like he's willing to do anything to or the uh, sean is at least pushed in a way to where he has to do whatever he can to save his brother and um i i thought that the the ending of this episode um where Sean is getting continuously beaten and getting up and showing to Daniel that he doesn't need to be this false prophet, try to convince Daniel in a fairly believable sense that a young boy could be wrapped into this cult, right? You know, he's, he's viewed as this, you know, prophet or this saint or angel as, as Leah said. And um, I, so I thought that that part was fine, but like walking away from the, the burning church compound, it, it, it was clearly an allegory to Waco, Texas and the Branch Davidians, you know, the, the burning church compound in the background. And but I, I think that those aspects of it were fairly ham fisted. But the emotional moments with um, with Daniel and excuse me, with Sean and his mother at the motel, I think, were the highlight of this yeah. episode for sure. I'd kind of forgotten about that. And actually that that in itself is a really important one, because you can react very hostile towards your mum. And I mean, to the fact that you only ever call her Karen. And as the the, the continue episodes go, by the time you get to the very final episode, you do have the ability to start calling her mum. But she almost has to earn that trust with you or you have to allow yourself to be open enough for that, for her to even come into your life. At the same time, she's almost not standoffish, but in a way where she doesn't necessarily want to be the atypical mum to you. She knows that she walked away from that life and she's finding it hard. She just wants to make sure her son's not going to die or get, you know, indoctrinated into his church. Right. But equally, she's also not 
overly looking for a relationship with you other than making you understand why she may have done what she done but not not, yeah, that not kind necessarily of keep you at the same time it was like i say really really well kind of that awkwardness of mm. who are you you left my life and anger and then kind of like can i find a way to allow you back in from both sections right so the kind of last stop on the tour before uh you either go to Mexico or not, is where uh, Karen, their biological mother, takes them before uh, that kind of whole break for the border. And uh, it's a town called Away. And as I kind of alluded to before, this is the town where there are a lot of quirky characters who maybe don't fit in so well everywhere else. And that's where their mother has ended up. Um, so I guess my question is, if... If we needed to spend this time in this place, do we feel that the characters here are developed well enough to kind of have justified being here? Uh, we have, uh, I, I put a, a couple of um, the, the notable ones that we meet in, in our notes here. There's Joan, who is the artist who, uh, I, I don't think they ever actually say specifically, but it's kind of implied that she has cancer mm. um, and is, is probably not I think she's there just to, to reinforce Sean's art once. That's about it. Yeah. 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 Um, we have Arthur and Stanley, who are the gay couple, uh, and we have David, who is um, really the only direct connection to the original Life is Strange. He is uh, Chloe's stepfather, who is one of the few people who will always survive the events of the first game. And um, he has kind of had a a, a real journey in his life where he went through AA and has kind of been brought out here to um to to kind of have a new beginning in his life by um I, I believe they say it's by his sponsor from AA who also lives out there. Um so you know you you can if you have played the previous game then it will ask you in the beginning did you save Arcadia Bay or not? And uh if Chloe died then you will see uh, Chloe died in my game so um I you will see, um, uh, well, you can find a picture of her and uh, Joyce, her her uh, mother and his ex-wife. Um, you can find a picture of them on his refrigerator and he will talk to you a little bit about it. But it's not, it, it's, it's, a, it's more of an Easter egg, I would say, than anything else. Um, so two questions then. I, I already asked the one about whether we feel that they are well-developed. Um, but also, I mean... Was there really a point to having David there? Like, did um, it have to be him? So it does work the other way. If you if you answer differently to that question at the start of the game, okay. um, he's having an active relationship with her. Uh, yeah. And they're oh, working yeah. through stuff. And at one stage, he actually takes a phone call from her. And you can kind of listen into their yeah one-sided conversation. But you get the general gist that you know, they've, they're trying to work through some stuff. And, you know, he's doing his best. And he's kind of found his way. And did it need to be there? Do you know, I really liked it. I just thought it was a, a good way of bringing something back full circle because this does feel quite a different game. Um, and actually, yeah, and it's because he's not a great person in Life is Strange. <laughs> so right. um, no. the fact no. that he ends up in a play, this place and has, has kind of gone through that journey and is, is coming out the other end and then has started a relationship with his daughter again, or his stepdaughter. Um, yeah, I... I didn't dislike it. I thought it was a 
a nice little easter egg for the people that needed and if you didn't know know it then it was just somebody that was kind of admitting that they, they hadn't done so great uh, uh coming out of the army yeah yeah it um it, working the other way it, i i kind of got the impression that so he makes an allusion to like how he feels like he didn't do a good enough job for her he never really got the chance to uh, to make things right with her if she did die and it, it almost feels like he's trying to do that for Sean and Daniel because he never got that chance with Chloe. So I, I thought that worked out pretty well as well. So what I'd, what I'd like to do is um, I want to talk about the ending. But before we do, um, I want to read one more uh, piece of correspondence here. And this is from our forum from Sage plus Onion Knight, who says, Weirdly, my experience with Life is Strange 2 is kind of the inverse of my experience with the original. I can acknowledge that the first game in the series was incredibly flawed and borderline inept in areas, and yet my experience of playing it is still one of my most cherished gaming memories. Its disarming earnestness and themes of corrupted nostalgia just happened to really resonate with me at that specific point in my life. The second game is objectively better in many ways. For example, characters speak and act in a way that you can consistently identify as representing actual human beings. <laughs> it also adds a few extra dimensions to the decision-based narrative style that is at the core of this series. Having a limited amount of money in the first episode, for example, added a real sense of gravity to every action I took. And throughout all the episodes, I loved the feeling that Daniel's unspoken feelings towards the player character were out of my control. Unfortunately, my experience of playing the game shattered this illusion of unpredictability that the game strives to build. Anyone who tried to play the episodes as they came out will probably have noticed that Life is Strange 2 was incredibly buggy, to the point that it just deleted my save after episode 3. As much as I ended up loving the ending, it was definitely tainted by having to inorganically rush through the first three episodes again to get there. Um, I did not have this experience, but I don't think any of us played it right at launch, so this might be something that we missed out on yeah. a little bit. I would definitely agree that the dialogue is way better in this game than it was in the first game. Yeah. And I liked the first game, but yeah. I somebody said something about it sounding like a um, a 40-year-old French man writing dialogue for an American <laughs> teenager. Um, and that that sounds right. Oh, wait, that's that's actually spoilers. That's our next piece of correspondence, but it's true. Um, so the dialogue, um, but... Uh, but overall, yeah, it's it's weird because, like, technically this does feel like the better game, but it's going to vary wildly which one you think is the better game or which one you find to be your 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 favorite game of the two, I should say. Hmm. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the ending a little bit. Um, so we, we've alluded multiple times to the fact that there are different endings to this. Um, I got two different endings the two times that I played it. The first time, so uh, the part that everybody will get is that you have the choice to either try to cross the border into Mexico or to surrender. Um, when you reach the border with Daniel, there are police and there are um, uh, federal officers, including the, um, I don't remember her name, but... Uh, Agent Flores, I believe. Floor, yes. Yeah, you have just blown yeah, up the yeah. police station and they've been hunting you across the entire country. So, you know, you're a one. Yeah, I mean, you, they, they, have, they have reasons to maybe be obstructing you a little back, bit. But, back to um, my first you know. thing from the very first episode. If they just stood there and then, and then maybe sorted this thing out, it would have been fine. By the time you get to the episode five, the snowball effect of the things that have happened around you is just like you find yourself with multiple yeah. guns aimed at your head. <laughs> and I mean that that is that is what Agent Flores 
continually says to you yeah, is you know you're like... you're making it worse by not you're making it worse <laughs> you're making it worse so what i'm saying is tony's a cop um <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding um but yeah so you you reach the border you have the uh you have the choice to either try to cross or to not try and cross and uh then either whichever one whichever one of those happens daniel can either go along with what you say or he can do the opposite thing so that's four different endings um i got i tried to cross the board i got both of the border crossing endings because there was no way i was giving up so um i if if you cross the border and you say hey daniel we're crossing the border and he's with you he he agrees and you know will uh knock you a path through the cops uh and you both get into mexico and i i Brian, was it you who said you basically start a gang out of your garage? It's hard to tell because there's a couple news clippings they show on the garage wall, and it says, like, a couple things about local gangs. Then these two guys or three guys show up to try to rob you, and, like, I would say, like, teenage Daniel stops them with his powers, and then you take a bunch of money and put put it in a big big safe, and then you have beers by the ocean is how that ended I mean, for me. I mean, I more took that as you're stopping the gangs, but, you know, maybe you are. Can I just so say, I, there's a scene yeah. before this, which is hilarious, where you're in a police station and you get banged up with a bunch of people that are escaping Mexico to come into America, and you're trying to get from America to Mexico. And that conversation between with the Mexicans of, like, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, why? Why are you trying yeah. to get to, like, that is a land of crime. Like, you don't want to go there. If you've never, if you've never lived there, like, you are going to get, you're just going to die. Like, the reason we're coming to America is the land of prosperity, even though you've just spent five episodes going through all sorts of bizarre yeah. and crappy stuff. But you kind of get, and it, that is a really good scene setter because it's like, you are trying to get to the place which essentially, for what? because it's not American, you won't get arrested, I guess. Now, now, Leah, I think you might be absolutely right that they were taking down the gangs in Mexico. That that could be a possibility, but this game had taught me over the course of time <laughs> that nothing was going to work out the way I wanted it to, so I thought that my only... So, it just pans the garage, shows news clippings. That, uh, all the endings are fairly similar. Excuse me. Um, in the, like their setup, it kind of like pans across things, shows a couple scenes, and then it ends, but... Um, but yeah, basically in Mexico, they they are operating um, the garage and have saved up a sizable amount of money and and are are still using Daniel's power. And then um and honestly, and Sean has what I would consider a pretty cool looking eye at that point. It's just like a black onyx eye. I thought was pretty cool, but but yeah, sick. Yeah. Um. The other, if you go, if you decide to cross the border. If you decide to cross the border and Daniel's morality is too high, we didn't really talk about this, but there are a couple of, like, hidden stats, uh, and it's morality and brotherhood. So it's how connected Daniel is to you and how connected Daniel is to the law. So if you try to make him be a good person, air quotes good person, like, you know, to kind of follow along with what society wants of him, then his morality will be high. If you make it clear that he is your priority and that and you you know are a good brother to him then that stat will be high if his morality is too high and you try to cross the border he will let you cross he will still clear the path for you but he bails out of the car and gives himself up so and at, at which point they so here's here's what i don't understand and this is the part about the ending that i really wanted to talk about 
So Daniel bails out of the car. He is arrested and he is released into the custody of his grandparents. They know that he has these powers. There is no way that if they had custody of him, they would just let him go. He's going to be in a lab somewhere. Oh, like, he's going back to that miracle church. There's no way. <laughs> he's, like, he's, what? He's performing more miracles for, like, weirdos. Something. There's I enough don't know. security I mean, cameras I... and stuff picking up his stuff, yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Like, they know what has happened here. Like, there is enough proof that... <laughs> Oof. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, yeah, I got both of those endings. Uh, I, I got the... Um, the the everybody goes to Mexico ending first, and then I got the Daniel goes back. Uh, and eventually you will, as Daniel, get a letter from Sean. I think it's uh, a number of years later. And the one that I sent him had, um, you know, it's like a postcard. Uh, and it has a picture of uh, Sean with Cassidy, uh, who has apparently come down there. And I, as far as I understand it, that could also be Finn if you had a relationship with him. Hmm. Um and yeah apparently he's pretty happy down there and um just not with his brother so there you go and there's there's two prison endings too right i i think yes i can only talk to yes you decide to give up Hmm. so do you guys get get the prison endings so i i got to that border and all the stuff that happened and all the cops are sitting there and everyone's screaming at me like stand down you know you've got it, it felt like at that moment and I clearly read it wrong. It felt like at a moment if I pushed the the throttle on the on in the car that I was going to get just gunned to death because it's not like the game hasn't shied away from priest brutality or anything else like that. And I was like, this isn't the responsible thing to do. I I know that makes me sound such a blinking like good two good twos, but it's just like in no. That, so I don't think so. I mean, scenario, you're, you're trying like, to protect. I can. I'm see protecting it. everybody around me. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. this is just the end of the line. So I I got out. I got arrested. Sean, um, Daniel went to the grandparents because, you know, apparently you can't charge children. So that's fine. And then I ended up in prison for, I think, 15 years. And how they yeah, I think so. How yeah. they end up doing that is you end up with photos of Sean, of Daniel growing up on his wall, like through like, I think it's like six, seven photos of the different stages of his life from being just a kid to like a full blown, you know, 15, well, I guess at that point, like a 20 year old. And he comes and you end up them meeting you outside of prison for me it was my mum and um daniel and eventually uh as a we went me and daniel we went for like a the buddy road trip and ended up going back and looking at a number of the places that we'd previously been and then you kind of had a weird breakdown in the car and just <laughs> two blokes crying and then moving on but daniel then uses his powers to, to do weird stuff well like shut doors and etc etc but this is why I said when I first came on to here, like, I don't know what the other endings are. And to me, that's how that game ended. And I think actually that's a really positive thing to say because it felt like the story as a whole made sense to me. And having like, you can have, we've got 15 endings and none of them make particularly much sense whatsoever. Like it actually, that ending to me felt like, no, that was my journey. Like that is kind of what I probably would have seen would have happened. And that's how my, my journey probably would have ended. So maybe yeah. goody two shoes, but hey. <laughs> no, I I really thought about giving up, but and the only thing that I thought was that I, like, no matter what, I assumed one of them was going to die just because of how the game had played out, <laughs> and I decided Blaze of Glory as opposed to <laughs> other thing. That was just my that was my per- at that point I was I don't want to say fed up that sounds too harsh, but I was just like let's just put I've the throttle down, see yeah. what happens. Exactly, yeah. That's kind of where I was. It was like a, you know, I 
I have not gone through all of this to just give up now. Like yeah. we're going. Yeah, I mean, I I, no. I feel like I felt that exact way when I just decided to boot the guy when Punch we were it. robbing his store <laughs> after he um after he yeah. after he chained me to a, a railing. Um, at that point, it was just like, ah, oh, I think we're I think we're already too far gone here. Like, what what more can happen? So yeah, I think I I don't remember exactly. But I think I got a very similar ending, except there was something. I feel like this must be if Daniel's like brotherhood or morality is different. But we were going to basically going to do that, or I think we were going to go for the escape, and then Daniel pulls back and and says he doesn't want to do it, and then you get arrested, and because your brotherhood level is not particularly high or whatever, you end up in prison, but it's one of the one of the love interests who comes to meet you at the end rather than Daniel. Oh, okay. I think that's what happened. That's, that's I've kinda definitely got cool, a memory of that. I'm liking the fact that, that it can be that different and your choices I do did have watch, some kind of a... I did watch a YouTube video of all of these endings like back to back, but um I had had two bottles of wine, so I can't really uh <laughs> I can't really I can't really speak to it with yes. authority, but yeah. So um, that's how that's how we all do this, right? We all that's how you yep. all do research. Is that right? Oh yeah, when I Listen, when I started um, playing at five o'clock in the morning one day, I definitely had two <laughs> bottles of wine. I don't I don't understand how you could play the third episode without being a little high, oh, right? Yeah, right. am I right? I'm in New Jersey; it's legal. Um, so <laughs> I didn't I didn't mention this before, but um, this also uh, my my second uh, murder of the game was um actually or be um in the church um um first time through i well i I didn't really let him kill elizabeth but he did uh second time i was able to stop him so i think that was more into the morality aspect from those two killing i didn't know that was a possibility to have elizabeth die oh yeah okay you can kill her (laughs) Um, you can you can definitely you can shoot her, or Daniel can just kill her. Like uh, in okay. um, I think he either he knocks her out and she gets caught in the fire, or he might just like throw her against a wall or something and, and like snap her neck. Nice. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but yes, he can. Yeah, he's holding her up with telekinesis at yeah. one point in my game that I talked him out of. Very similar to the mountain lion, actually. <laughs> it's it yeah. seemed pretty yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, two two creatures and or people killed in my my first game that were not in my second game, and I think that was a pretty big effect on the ending because hmm. his yeah. morality was higher. So here you go. All right. Um, so one last piece of correspondence, and uh, it is from Gerard from the forum, who says my experience with the first Life is Strange game was pretty rocky. The game had to win me over, despite the extremely clunky American teen girl written by a French guy in his forties dialogue, and it ultimately did. The second game doesn't come with any caveats and hit for me pretty much straight out of the gate. The two brothers' relationship was compelling and affecting. The story addressed the endemic racism of America, which felt especially necessary during the reign of a president who fomented so much racist hatred. One of the scenes from the denouement I got to prominently featured the image of the border wall, blasted and twisted into wreckage, being traversed by two Latino boys who weren't trying to come into this supposed land of opportunity, but who were striving to escape the racist, copper-ridden cesspit that has killed their father and left them in precarity. Wow, that is yeah, that um, is a description so, of America that you do not hear every day, but I'm kind of yeah, here for well, that. It's, it's, yeah, um, um, it's, one I, it's one I share for the most part. 
Well, what I was what I I, I was going to say it, that the image that really stuck with me, I think, uh, more than most of the racist stuff that happens in this game, and there's a lot of it, um, but is just when you reach where you're going and what you find is a literal wall. Um, and just... I, only 50% of us on this podcast are American, uh, but I know that even those who are not know about building the wall because that was such a huge thing that people were either somehow promoting or were dreading and were looking at as an embarrassment for our country. Um, I'll let you guess which ones Brian and I are. Um, yeah, it's like we, we have just, our own I, version with Brexit. It's okay. Oh, I know. It's, we, just don't, we don't need <laughs> to build We just tell people they can't come here and crash yeah, everything else yeah. around us. It's It's fun, you know. But just the image of that being what they found when they came to a place that was supposed to be a haven for them is just, it's messed up. Mm -hmm. And in, in a very deep way that as a middle-class white person, I am never going to know about. And it's, it's, it's just messed up. I want to say other words, but this is a G rated podcast. So. No, I mean, it's fair to say that this game has trigger warnings. For if you didn't, for if sure. you didn't know, Absolutely. I mean, it, it may be actually. I think the game could probably do a better job of of, of putting that on its kind of cover before you start That's playing. That's actually a good point. Um, yeah. yeah. The un the unfortunate thing about this game is that I think that the majority of people that would have played it through and saw it through to the end are the people that don't need to learn those lessons. But yeah. that's just my own thought. Yeah, I mean, there's there's points where I think that it is the guy in that in that gas station at the beginning. One of the comments he makes to you is like, this is why we need to build that wall or something like that. Yeah. And I, I definitely feel like, yeah, if you've gotten to that point and you are you are on that guy's side and you are still playing this, then there's something a bit weird about that. Yeah. Like, it wears its its alignment on its sleeve. I mean, this is not not a game for those people. This is very much kind of... I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what exactly the point of highlighting these things is beyond the idea that it's kind of trying to show you you know the the human cost of all of these terrible things and if you are one of the people who who believes in that then this is the other side that you should also be taking into account but you know obviously that's extremely few and far between the people who would actually listen to a message like that so All right. Um, well, on that cheerful note, um, we do ask for three-word reviews on the day of recording. You can follow us on Twitter at Kane and Rince, and we will put that call out for you to potentially be included in the podcast. I just point out these are some extremely good three-word reviewer names. I'm going to enjoy trying to read this one. <laughs> uh, WTFDYW says, Two Wolf Brothers. Nick the Time Mister. Uh, exhausting to play. And Fat Zangief says, politically on point. Wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for your contributions. We love them, as always. So, uh, we've said a lot, and um, I, I actually had a difficult time 
picking an order here. We kind of try to typically go from least positive to most positive, but I think we're all kind of on a similar um, a similar space here. Uh, so, Tony, I'm actually going to start with you. Uh, can you summarize your feelings on Life is Strange 2, Pete? Well, for somebody that was coming into this somewhat trepidatiously after being really down on the first game, um, I have to get to the end here and say it really won me over. I There's so much that I... I took away from this game. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Some of the themes aren't quite explored as much as I want. Some of the episodes are better than others. Um, but overall, I think it has a lot to say. Um, I'm surprised how different it is from the first game. I think it's really interesting that this came from a major studio you know, or publisher within Square Enix. Obviously, I don't think they're a part of them anymore. But the fact that they were allowed to go and take some of this content and push it this far, I think is a, a real positive step. Um, there's so much we haven't talked about on this episode, and I think that's a really, really big thing because there'll be a lot of people, a lot of people here having in equal favourite scenes that we haven't discussed, and would like to hear our thoughts about those. And we can only apologise, and and to the point where we haven't talked about really any of the gameplay. Um, we haven't really talked about Daniel's powers or whether they actually have that much effect in the game because really they didn't, but you know they were there, but we haven't had time. To- to get there we haven't talked about the music which i think at times absolutely sets the mood um there's some sublime stuff very acoustic very kind of in the moment um but it you know it it really there was uh, i wouldn't say necessarily i was welling up but there was some of the the scene settings with the music and and the visual aspects we haven't even talked about the visuals and how this comes across what we have talked about is many aspects of the story and ultimately this is a story-driven game uh, and for me, I think mostly it hits and it hits in a way where the first one just didn't for me. And Life is Strange 2 was a, a breath of fresh air. Difficult to play, for sure. For everybody, maybe it should be. Maybe you should, if you even if this isn't your type of thing, maybe this would teach you one or two things. Or, but I don't want to be that patronising. I, I just think for me, there's there is a lot in this game that I wasn't expecting to like. And there was many aspects of this game that I actually decided to love. Um, so I, it gets a, a, a surprising, I can't believe it, it gets a surprising double thumbs up, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm so glad, in fact, that Leon set me up for this episode. <laughs> because, <laughs> that'll, that'll show yeah, him. Yeah, that'll show him. I actually turned <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So, ha! I'm, I, I need to go and play, maybe I need to go and play Before the Storm, which I haven't got to, so... I haven't either. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a new project. Mm. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, John? Mm. I think for the most part, my, um, my feelings on Life is Strange 1, um, I mean, I'm not quite as, uh, not quite as negative as Tony is on that game. There were, were things about it that I enjoyed and there were parts of it that actually kind of shone through the, a lot of the frustrating and the the very irritating things um so i was i was really really oh, didn't know what to think going into playing life is strange 2 beyond i feel like a point where a lot of people did tell me it was very good um yeah i think like um tony i also kind of struggled quite a bit with the original life is strange but not not anywhere to the same extent i did still I don't know if I would say I overall enjoyed the experience 
a lot, but I think I got something out of it and it did kind of manage to at least overcome the frustration and the a lot of the annoyance with the characters and the weird writing and stuff that I didn't like. But um, going into Life is Strange 2, even, you know, once it was all completely released a year after the original episode or more, um, I think I had quite high expectations because there had been a lot of talk about how good it was. And I'm sure, although I, I kind of struggle to remember and I'm not very... Um, I'm not very bothered or even remember spoilers for, for very long if I do hear them. I feel like I would have heard things about the episodes of um, of the second game as they were coming out. There would have been some sort of discussion on, on podcasts and things that I would have heard. I'm sure I at least would have heard the, the big hooks from the beginning of the game up until the kind of the opening sequence. And I've I've kind of got some specific memories of that. But I, I still didn't really know what to expect. And I wasn't sure whether or not it would suffer from the same problems. But actually coming to it, although the first game is also kind of grim and touches on some, some quite dark stuff, it's a, it seems a little bit more lighthearted. And this one really, in a lot of ways, was quite difficult to play and quite difficult to to not feel just emotionally really, really tired and drained while doing it. Like it feels... There's a lot that just seems to go from one like negative experience to the next. It's just like even even the things that that seem like they should be kind of nice in this end up somehow getting spoiled um, to the point where, you know, it's almost it's almost kind of a breath of fresh air at that scene in episode four where the truck driver pulls up and he just is going to give you a lift and he doesn't turn out to to also be racist or something at the same time, or like, you know, just drive you straight to the police station. I was expecting this to somehow turn out poorly again, because that's what's happened in every single interaction with anybody. Even the good ones that you have with like the, um, the campers in, in episode three end up going bad when Finn decides to exploit Daniel's power for his own greed and, and kind of everything else gets ruined because of it. Like, it was it was a it was weird to just see one scene that actually was just good and and wholesome um so it it's 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 been a struggle to get through it but i do think that the story apart from being slightly clichéd and a little bit kind of obvious in places i do think that it it was much better than the first one or at least i enjoyed it a lot more than the first one i think they've kind of I don't know if, if this would be something that everybody agrees with, but I think the they've streamlined some of the process a little bit more where, I mean, it is the, the impact of a lot of the spaces that you're in do just have lots of little things that you can go and look at, but it, it feels much more purposeful than, than it does in a lot of these other games, or at least the little things have more character building and stuff than they might otherwise. But it, it, it's worth, it's definitely worth having a look in a way that I would say that there's a lot of other games in this style that I would potentially say don't don't spend your time on at all. But I think Life is Strange 2 does some some quite interesting things and some quite cool, like quite cool, quite maybe not like daring, but kind of out there storytelling stuff that I would not dislike seeing done more often. And yeah, I think it's it's maybe not two entire thumbs up, but it's it's a good recommendation. All right, uh, so let's go to Brian. So this is the 
one of the rare opportunities I get to say something that I don't say very often on the Kane and Rinse podcast is that uh, overall my feelings on this game aren't that positive. Um, but I'm really glad that I played it, and I, I hope that this next minute and a half will explain why. Um, I I probably would have stopped playing this game after the first two episodes with the Adventures of Captain Spirit in there. Um, I messaged Leah as much that I, I it, it was dragging me down. And as I said before, I, I love a lot of, like, one of my favorite books is The Road by Cormac McCarthy, uh, which is not exactly a pick-me-up. Yeah. yeah. But, it's not, but I mean, that is not a, that's not something that's going to make you feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it's not about whether or not I can handle the bleakness of it. It's just, it felt so devoid of meaning to me. But by the end, I would say chapters four and five are uh, really episodes four and five really brought me around to kind of why I was doing what I was doing. And it was the story of the brothers. Right. And and no matter what choices you take um, after episode two, I was so kind of down in the dumps that episode three, I kind of played a little bit more fast and loose. And maybe that's the way a 16 year old would play things is a little bit fast and loose without thinking about the consequences of your actions and. I was able to see a little bit more about maybe what the uh, what the developers were trying to tell me, and, and this conversation has actually helped helped me contextualize a lot of my own thoughts about what what was I trying to get from this experience. Um, the first half of this game, I I I legitimately think is miserable. I think it's miserable, and uh, and I don't know that the the back half does enough to make up for that. Um, but what I will say is that at the end of it, I'm was really glad that I saw this through the end. It, it's something that I probably would not have seen through if I wasn't playing it for this podcast. It's one of the many reasons I'm thankful for being a part We've of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah. and what, what I can say is that yes, life is strange Two bummed me out. Um, life is strange Two has some problems. I think we, like I said, we, uh, Tony said we didn't talk about the visuals and stuff like that. Uh, uh, there's something about Daniel's eyes that always look very marionette to me <laughs> that I didn't get to mention before. It was very disconcerting. Um, but, at the end of the game, I had I had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of it made me feel a lot of different things. It made me contextualize different aspects of my own country and of stories and storytelling in a way that I hadn't before. And while I will come away from Life is Strange 2 being like, I'm really glad that's done. I never want to play that again. I am now I now own digitally Before the Storm and True Colors. So it did something right. Right. I didn't own those games before playing this game caused me to at least to cross that line and be like, I'd like to see what else they think they have to say. And um, while that's not the most glowing review I've given on this podcast, um, I'm glad I played it, but just know if you haven't played it before, if you listen to all this, we've spoiled everything, but like (laughs) a lot of the misery in this game didn't seem to have meaning for me in, in the ways that other media of similar, (laughs) of similar levels of misery seem to have for me. But I'm glad I played it, and this conversation has been wonderful, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you, Brian. As always, lovely. So I put myself last, um, and I'm, I'm not, I, as I say, I'm not entirely sure that I am the one who likes it the most. I just kind of picked an order here. But um, what I will say, I think I am probably the one who liked Life is Strange 1 the most. Um, I don't, I don't know that Brian and I have really talked about it, but, uh, I feel, I feel like that's still probably true. I, I think Life is um, Strange 1 was hella good, Leah. Hella good. <laughs> hella good, hella something. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
So while I think that I was more emotionally invested in the characters themselves in Life is Strange 1, I cried like a, a very small child at the end of that game for quite a while. Um, I was a train wreck, but um, I, and I, I didn't hear, but I think that's because it's... It's not a happy ending, but it's an ending that I can live with. Like, everybody is still okay in some aspect, you know, at least in the endings that I got. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that's a little bit better off than than the my ending of Life is Strange 1 ended up being. Um, I do think that Life is Strange 2 is a better game overall. I think that it's more cohesively put together even if the episodes themselves are um you know storyline wise they're not maybe the most cohesive in just kind of a, a line but they all do go together so maybe that is it um yeah it, it's 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 better to play than life is strange one is i don't know that i i like the um that I, like is the wrong word. I don't know that I'm as connected to the Diaz brothers as I was to Chloe and Max, um, but I am pretty connected to them. I I felt I felt responsible for trying to make sure that Sean was as good a brother to Daniel as he could be, and was as protective as he could be, and just tried to do things right. And you know that doesn't always work out, especially when you're 16. So um, you know I. I think that I got in my playthroughs, both of them, really, I got I got stories that made sense for those characters. And uh, I I admire that they took on as many when I say they, I mean, the developers that they took on as many uh, just as many things as they did that could potentially have gone really wrong if they handled those subjects poorly. I don't think they handled any of them perfectly, but I also don't think that they handled any of them poorly. So that's a decent track record for me, I think. And I I, I really appreciate that they made the effort and that they did their best there. And in the same way, I I just, I feel like this this is something that a lot of people would probably get a lot out of if they haven't already played it. So I agree with the... Um, with the thought that you should probably try and take a look at it if you haven't already and uh, just see if it sticks. If not, then that's okay too. But uh, this is, this is a very, it's a very powerful story that I think will stick with me for quite a while. Um, it, it just, you know, it's just one of those things that you start thinking about and it's just really dark and it was hard to play sometimes, but I'm glad that I did. So that's where I land on it. All right. So with that said, it just remains for me, Leah, to thank John, Tony, and Brian, our editor, Jay, and also to apologize to our editor, Jay, um, and of course, all of you for listening. And uh, I'm not apologizing to you for listening. I'm saying thank you to all of you for listening. We've been recording for a while. And next time, in issue 576, the Belmonts continue their quest to destroy all Draculas in Castlevania II, Belmont's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs>